Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. Discover a healthier, happier you with Veganuary 2024. Your health isn't just small potatoes, it's a big deal. So this January, you are invited to make a change that matters by trying Veganuary's 31-Day Vegan Challenge. Switching to a plant-based diet reduces your carbon footprint and makes a positive impact for animals. Every meal is a vote for the kind of world you want to create. Ready to make a change? Sign up today at Veganuary.com. Vote for veggies. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. It's another Custard TV podcast, and you'll be surprised that I, the occasional visitor to what was my own podcast, is back. Uh, but the guy who is here all the time has never missed an episode. Matt is here too. Hello, Matt. Happy <laughs> Jubilee. Jubilee, yeah. Yeah, we got it. We got there. We got there 70, or she got yeah. there. Yeah. The queen. I was a bit worried about her there for a moment when she got no. COVID. Sarah's here as well, because that's who I like to talk to on a jubilee. I said nobody else, just her, please. Thank you. Does that make me the queen of the podcast? Yeah, I was just going to say queen of the podcast. Well, it does. Yes. It also I'll makes us all incredibly available on what is quite a sunny bank holiday afternoon. Which Speak for yourself. It's a bit overcast. Here it's quite nice here, and I've closed the curtains, and I'm sitting in my pyjamas, um, watching TV and hanging out with you guys. Oh, I wouldn't have it any oh. other way. Aww. Oh, Liar. I, I, I would <laughs> we, we've got a good selection of shows this week, if Matt doesn't mind me hosting what is effectively at this point his podcast. Um, well, it's, got... it's, sorry, it's not anyone's podcast. It's the listener's podcast. <laughs> oh, that oh. makes me want to oh. puke now. Oh, okay. Sarah, was... Sarah's podcast then. Sarah That's was nearly sick over her new <laughs> microphone and would void the warranty. It really would. This could be a podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com We are doing uh, HBO and Sky Atlantic David Simon drama We Own This City. Borgen is back on Netflix. Girls Five Ever is back over on Peacock, although you wouldn't know it, which is why we're talking about it, because nobody seems to know that exists. And the BBC have a show that they don't seem to want people to know exists because it's on at 10.45 on a Tuesday and then all as a box set on iPlayer and then at 9pm the following day on BBC Three. So it's all over the schedules, everything I know about love. First of all, though, you're in new accommodation. After, like, many months of people asking whether I'm in my new house, I'm in my new house! Nearly a week now. Everything is boxes and chaos. We've moved a lot, not just in the UK, across the world. And... There's a sense of you've been waiting so long that you've forgotten what you bought or it doesn't feel right and you seem to have settled in quite quickly. Is that fair to say? I would say that the upstairs of the house looks like a house. The kitchen is all right and the living room is just weird and I don't like it and it's cold and it's too big and I don't know what to do. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, to be fair though, big. I haven't actually bought a sofa yet so probably that's... that's um, yeah, that'll, that'll be a thing. Yeah. If you sit on a lilo... 
yeah. Oh no, I've got some really nice chairs, but okay. it's not the same. It's not the same as cuddling up on a sofa. But do you know the worst thing about buying a sofa? If you buy it now, you probably won't get it till February or something ridiculous. Mm. So I think I'm going to reduce, reuse, recycle, go to one of the charity shops around mm. here, get one for a bit and then put an order in for one that I really like. I went to the furniture warehouse charity place and got one for 15 quid. That's, that's how much my last sofa cost. <laughs> but Matt didn't put in an order for a new one. He's like, this will do me. This yeah. will do me fine. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. It did. <laughs> I might spend my sofa money on something else than just really like the second-hand one. <laughs> I, I have not had the TV on, but I bet you the DFS are having a sale at the moment. I don't know that for sure, but I would, I would bet Other some money Other sofa suppliers, I'm sure, are available. I'm not sure. But SCS... DFS can advertise with us if they like. Yeah, if they'd like to. <laughs> they could send me a free sofa. I'd quite fancy some sort of like green or dark blue crushed velvet. Thanks, what, guys. Mm. What was the one that yeah. always used to sponsor Gogglebox and then they all had new sofas one year? Oh, from... Sophology. Yeah. yeah. Who had that really annoying advert? With Owen Wilson. But they can sponsor Who us. Who convinced Owen apology. Wilson to do a sofa advert? So weird. Well, is it Ju- Judy Dench? Judy Dench. I was going to say money supermarket. Adverts. Money supermarket. Yeah. It's the maddest <laughs> thing. How much money do these companies have? I think I they know. have more money than Netflix. But did Snoop yes. Dogg do money supermarket before? No, just eat. Snoop Dogg did. Just eat. He's done yeah. a cu- he's done a couple though. Someone else famous did money supermarket. I don't really approve of Velvet. I don't like Velvet. Do you have to get that? It feels a bit weird, Velvet. Mm, it's one okay. of them well, put your teeth we'll take on this edge. conversation. Take this conversation offline, and you can tell me exactly what sofa I should be buying. Are you um, partial to a recliner, or are you not bothered about that? Mm, not bothered. I've got a, a tall person, six foot one person's back, so I have to be very uh, careful. What about a poof? All of a poof. Yeah, of course <laughs> you do. Very on brand. Right, um, Thanks. <laughs> right, let's do um, Sky Atlantic and HBO. They have waited, they made us the UK wait uh, six Are weeks. Are we doing, for this. sorry, Luke, Luke, I know you haven't been on for a while, but do you want to do the plugs? Oh, yeah, we do the plugs. Do some now plugs. The Okay, yeah, we do the plugs at the start. TheCustardTV.com is the site where we hail from. You can find all sorts of stuff on there. Reviews of uh, new Disney Plus slash ABC comedy Abbott Elementary on there. The news that Inside Number 9 is coming back for two more series. I haven't seen the last three episodes yet. A chat about The Sopranos and uh, also... Uh, a big piece on the show we're about to talk about We Own This City. Sarah, where can people find your writings? You can find me at whynow.co.uk with various musings on TV. Still and doing your seven things. Oh, I'm committed to seven things a month, at least new stuff that you should be watching. We just which did is, four on this, so you're welcome. Which does help, yeah. yeah. But this it'll, is it'll... all in June now. Have you done exactly. May? Uh... No, I haven't done May yet. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Oh, crikey. Yeah. By the time this goes out, I will have written May. And there should be a Jubilee piece up on the site very soon. So okay. what could Sarah possibly be writing about? The Royals on TV. You can find you whereabouts online uh, if you want to interact with you more. Um, more I am you. at Sarah Hamstera on Twitter. And uh, Matt's at Matt's TV Bites. The site is at, at Custard TV. And you can always follow. And the podcast you can find at all various places. We'd love some reviews, please. Wherever mm. you find us, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, buy your... Rate, own... review and subscribe, as yes, they say. Rate, review and subscribe. Yes, as the um, kids on, on social. As the kids say. Just to say, yeah, Snoop Dogg did do a money supermarket advert. Just want to put it out there in 2014. I feel like we can breathe now. 
That's what I feel. These like. are the important questions. As did Sharon Osbourne. I didn't see that one. That must have been before I was back. I didn't see that one. As I was saying before Matt corrected me, Sky had made us wait six weeks for David Simon's new show, which has aired uh, over the last six weeks in the US. They were kind enough to give us uh, The Time Traveller's Wife at the same time as the US, though. Thanks for that. But not We Own The City, which is David Simon and George Pelicanos back in Baltimore. Today is the 20th anniversary of The Wire. Happy birthday, Wire. I only uh, know that because I saw a Guardian article earlier re- the, where they're ranking every episode. Yeah, good luck. Um, <laughs> to walk us through what is ostensibly sort of a coda to David Simon's naughty's masterpiece is Sarah Kennedy. So this is mainly set around 2015, 2017. And this is the rise and fall of the Baltimore Police Department, which was the Gun Trace Task Force. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of departments. So I'm going to try and give you the briefest overview. You volunteered you know, to do this, Sarah. I, just I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but as we know, The Wire and the guys who write it are incredible journalists. They write massive books about like the history and the culture and just everything that goes on in that city. So they know it so well. It's all there on screen. So what we really focus on is a guy called Sergeant Wayne Jenkins, who sets out his philosophy in the opening few moments. He's lecturing other officers about fighting and winning. He seems to be very pro-police brutality, but he says that beating on people doesn't make good cases. Uh, He says that an officer must know how to use the law and understand his own authority. Then we see him hit a bottle out of an innocent guy's hands with his baton. He is a bully, but he knows exactly how to spin it to stay in the good books. There's a nice little bit that shows us exactly what he's up to because they use his computerised activity sheet to pinpoint exactly what Jenkins is up to and when. Because this is a case I think is going to flip around over so many years. I think it's quite an inventive way to keep tabs on things rather than just like, you know, a date and a name in the corner of the screen. He has got swagger. He calls himself Superman. He's bringing massive amounts of guns into homicide to help solve their cases. They're all over the drugs and stuff as well, which, of course, you know, unfortunately, Baltimore is famous for. It has changed, though, in the years that we have been apart. They mention the Freddie Gray case a lot, which was a case that's typical of America, unfortunately, was the death of a black man in custody, I believe. And all of the white officers who were eventually charged, I think it actually did go to court, but none of them were found guilty. So there was rioting afterwards. So we meet the human rights lawyers from the DOJ. We meet the guys from the mayor's office. We meet Homicide, we meet the Drug Squad, we meet the Harford County police investigators who seem like they're going to be pivotal. These are the ones that seem to do everything by the book and they're good and they don't cut corners and they don't overreach. But they just know that the task force and the city police do things differently. They say they've got sticky fingers. They've got like a another tracer on this uh, drug dealer's vehicle. So this is how the two cases sort of collide. Um, so there's federal investigators on top of this. There's so much going on. And in the first half hour, I think I was a little bit worried about it, that it was trying to put so much out there on the screen in the first episode. The scenes were short. They were choppy. People weren't introduced like properly. It was very confusing. But I think where they hit their stride towards the end of the episode where we see Jenkins possibly about to get his comeuppance. It's great. It's fascinating. But it's it's something that you really have to concentrate on. And can I, I know some people feel a bit awkward about it because it's obviously English language drama. But honestly, guys, 
put the subtitles on. There's no shame in putting the subtitles on because you get so many names, so many department names, slang that you're not familiar with. Honestly, it's the best. Put the subtitles on. I think it's going to be great. And I can't believe we've had to wait so long to watch it. I should preface my views, which are coming shortly, um, <laughs> with the idea that today I've been able to move about because yesterday and a couple of days previous, I think I pulled a muscle in my shoulder or back or something and have been basically confined to a chair. So I hope that that has somewhat clouded my enjoyment or lack thereof of We Own This City. I think the first 15 minutes is really interesting. It does its thing where it switches back to the different timelines and it kind of lost me. I did the thing where I, I had the subtitles on during The Wire and Sarah, that is a great tip for anyone. It's like you say, no shame. It's it's like a guide, really, the subtitles. Mm, yeah. You don't need to read them as such, but they guide you through. I don't know whether it was my agony I was in, but I, I wasn't that connected to it when it switched back because it was a lot of this person in a room talking, that person in a room talking, this person talking about that person, which I appreciate is a lot of the wire as well when it starts. And I obviously plan to go back because David Simon and George Pelicanos know exactly what they're doing. I was probably not in the right headspace when I watched it, but it didn't engage me to the level I was expecting. And perhaps as well that comes from me having slightly higher expectations knowing what this was going in and knowing the pedigree of the people behind it and in front of the camera but I was invested in this character and then he got taken away from me and Josh Charles comes in as another bullish cop he does really good work there as well as that character really hateful and spiteful but on the whole if this was like a brand new drama I knew nothing about the team behind it then I I don't know whether I would be as invested I think yeah, I think we're giving it the benefit of the doubt because we know how great The Wire was and the yeah. team behind it are incredible. But also our standards are set quite high because yeah, I know both you and I really, really loved it. It's a strange thing to worry about because we on the podcast and TV critics in general have always been proponents of we don't need long, long series. But I worry just based on the amount of information in this first one, we've only got five more hours to tell this story. I worry it's going to be information overload rather than character overload and, and plot yeah. overload. It does feel like they're trying to touch on so many points. The justice system, racism, police corruption, all of these things are such big and important themes. They could have their own series. And I, I can't believe the series is so short. Honestly, I thought that was a mistake when I saw that there yeah. was only that many episodes. It took me a while to actually get into The Wire. And I remember a lot of people saying you need to give it like three or four episodes where we've only got six here looks very much like the wire it's all like the graininess of the shot it feels like a drama from that era rather than like 2022 the opening title sequence is very reminiscent of the wire and i i think it's nice to have a long opening title sequence because like now we just get a lot of you know we're here here's the title cards enjoy i think i agree with with your assertions you know i think john bernthal as jenkins was electric in his opening five minute monologue i liked the sort of the editing with as you said sarah where you saw what he was talking about while he was talking about it and the josh charles performance as well luke he's very doughy now isn't he josh charles yeah it took me a while (laughs) i kept waiting for him to turn up assuming he was going to be 
almost in well. the legal profession. Yeah, and then, <laughs> then, when it, then when he turned up as this burly cop, I was like, oh, he's got range. Yeah. And he's from Baltimore as well, which I didn't... Oh, OK. Is it Warden Me Masaka as... Yes. Um, as the lady from the Justice Department, I thought she was excellent as well, and mm. she was the counterbalance to the, the the corrupt cops. And I found her very authentic, very genuine. But the the criticisms you've both raised are valid, and there was a lot of information, a lot of characters, a lot of police officers who we maybe aren't given the the introductions to. You know, there's a lot of sort of interchangeable characters as well as the themes you mentioned as well, Sarah, we've got like the political aspects of it as well with like the changing the mayor and the change in the police commissioner and all of that as well. It'll be interesting to see how they wrap it up. I mean, do we know, Luke, if there's any more, if there's going to be no. another season? Or... No, one this is it. One and done. done. What, okay, what, what all, all three of us neglected to say is it's actually based on a true story written by Sun journalist, uh, Justin Felton. So it's it's you know it's not designed to be this overarching returning I, series. And I think the other thing I would say as well, you know, Sarah, you mentioned Freddie Gray. I had no idea about Freddie Gray at all. No. I put an article, didn't I, in the group chat, the Wikipedia. You know, they kept mentioning it without actually yeah. really explaining. You know, you got the gist if you didn't look it up. You got the gist of what it was, like a you know. A, a, a black man. Type. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Killed but that's the thing, isn't it? We, we've had to learn so many names mm. of so many dead black people. Mm. It's horrible. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Wake up at Holiday Inn Express to a can't-miss breakfast that's free with every stay. Count on all the hot, fresh coffee you need and an incredible breakfast buffet that has something for everyone, like eggs, cinnamon rolls, and even hot, fresh pancakes with all the toppings you crave. Next time, do yourself a favor and stay at a Holiday Inn Express with a can't-miss breakfast that's free with every stay. So, when you wake up at Holiday Inn Express, you'll wake up happy, a part of IHG Hotels and Resorts. Great that they're shining a light on it in this way. It's not like a very sort of worthy documentary. And I'm sure there have been many worthy documentaries about Baltimore. But I like this because I trust the writers and I trust it's going to be entertaining. In terms of the switching between the two eras, obviously they do mention that it's going from 2015 where Obama was still in charge to 2017 where Trump's you know, just been inaugurated. So you've got the change in the political landscape there as well. Well, one quite a big change, I think, from The Wire was really interesting to me, was that nobody had to fight for resources. As soon yeah. as they had that Anderson and the Shropshire guy, oh, my God, their pronunciation of Shropshire oh, is really, really me, going to me. Really drove me mad. It's only be worse <laughs> if they were having Worcestershire, Worcestershire sauce. sauce over everything. I know they can't help themselves. That's how they talk, but it's wrong. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they got all of this amazing tech immediately. They got this van. They got cameras set up straight away yeah. on uh, the area, the shopping centre where all these drugs were being sold. Mm. I thought that's quite funny because I think, was it like 
at least the first half season of The Wire was just them fighting for resources. I think it was I, I just, just... Wasn't there just like two cups on a string in the first season of The Wire? Yeah, there was. Yeah. And I suppose the other thing as well is the prominence of cell phones and how, you know, every time there's an arrest on a black person, everyone had their cell phones out, everyone had the cameras out. You know, yeah, the heat they're... was too much for those cops. They gave up trying to arrest that guy and just left shouting, police yourselves. See, I, I loved all that. And then I felt like when we went back in time, as is so often the case with me in these dramas, it sort of it lost something for me. It just lost a lot of momentum and mm. power and speed. Wasn't that in one of the 2015 scenes, though? Because I'm sure that that happened no, just after... He, it was in the 2015 scene, but I'm talking after that, when they went back, it lost... No, they didn't go back again. It starts in 2017 and then they go back to 2015 unless I lost something. No, no, you're right. I might Uh, have been high on Cocodamore by that point. (laughs) Given the themes, that just seemed very apt. And I did snort it. I weren't, you know, that's how bad it was. (laughs) Um, Okay, we own this city Tuesday on Sky Atlantic. Our review from James is on the site as well if you want his opinion on it. And as we say, it'll all be there as a box set if you're a Sky customer or you're a now subscriber. Now, Borgen is back and uh, it's on Netflix. This all aired on Danish broadcaster DR. It's been nine years since the last series. I don't know what's happening with time, uh, but when I was reading up Adam Price, the creator, and apparently famous Danish chef, and don't know how I've lasted this long knowing about Adam Price and not realising he's also Gordon Ramsay in Denmark, said the timing just felt right to bring the story back. Uh, When we meet Brigitte, she's now Labour's foreign minister working in coalition with another female prime minister. Brigitte sort of objects her tagline as the future is female. She finds that sort of really passe. There's not a happy dynamic between the two of them. She has this young eager assistant who keeps mixing everything up and just generally getting on her nerves. Uh, unlike the first three series of uh, Borgen, this one though will have one overarching plot. So what I liked about the initial series of Borgen was that it dealt with political issues within Brigitte's government. Then we had the sort of family saga that she would go home to with her daughter having... Did she have an eating disorder, I think, or a mental illness? But the political landscape and the political issues they would touch on would change. This one is all about fossil fuels, all about climate change, and the discovery of oil in Greenland that Brigitte is really worried about because it could mean Greenland uses this to become independent from Denmark. Katrine, who is the news reporter that we watched in Series 2, uh, 1 and 2, and then in Series 3 she transitioned to working alongside Brigitte on the campaign. She's been given this prestigious job as the head of news at TV1, the old company she used to work for. So she's going in there to sort of revitalise the channel. Its ratings have been dropping. One thing that's changed in the nine years since Borgen's been off the air is people are getting their news direct to their phone, they're getting it personalised, they can just shut out any news they don't agree with and blow it off as fake news and they don't trust the news industry. So TV1 has sort of diminished in people's eyes and is suffering bad ratings and Katrine wants to change the perception of things. When she goes to congratulate Katrine at a new job, Torben, the head of the old head of news, about the discovery of oil and says like it's her job to speak on this. She is the foreign minister. 
this is a foreign issue. She's very plain to the point of how she feels about it. We then cut to a farm where a load of pigs being loaded into slaughter. Uh, three young activists jump in the van. I recognised one of them immediately as Brigitte's son Magnus. So he sets these pigs free in a field. We then learn that he's vegan and very anti-meat and anti-anyone who's damaging animals or using animals in any way. In a pivotal moment, uh, Brigitte is called in to see her PM who says to her, look, you know what, Brigitte, you're not the Prime Minister anymore. Things have changed and it's here that she learns Michael Langerson, who's sort of this polarising political commentator, has been appointed Chief of Staff. He's someone who's not been officially elected, but he's someone who's going to have sort of facto control of the government. And when Brigitte learns this, she discreetly goes to Torben and tells him, you didn't get this from me, but you need to report this confirm it because the government's changing and these people that are really outspoken are going to be pivotal in the role and that is where I got to before my power went off. I think I've set up everything there that's pivotal in this series. As I say, one overarching plot, I don't know how I feel, but as the Borgonite amongst us, Sarah, how do you feel? What was it like being back with the gang? Oh my god, I'm so happy they're back. <laughs> Got faith in the writer here because they always said that if the story was good enough, they'd make another one. So they mm. think that uh, the focus on um, climate change in Greenland is going to provide them enough um, mm. plot. I don't doubt it. I really like the juxtaposition at the beginning of the old and the new oil uh, and then the native people fishing for this fishing. <laughs> That's not the right word. Fishing <laughs> the native for whales. People... <laughs> Yeah, the native people fishing for whales, because that way it sounds less horrible, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's just yeah, fish, quite fishing for a quick whale. Yeah. Yeah, Water the whales gone fishing for whales. <laughs> I checked the pronunciation for the Prime Minister's name. She's Sina. Um, I like how everyone always assumes that women working together will be fine. It'll be sunshine and puppy dogs. But actually, it's not at all, because, you know, they're just career politicians it was really interesting to me to see Bridget immediately go well I'm going to leak this she is not the uh the new girl anymore she's not the goody two-shoes anymore is she um and interestingly another female point the future might be female it looks like the future is also probably menopausal as well because she's just hot and uncomfortable all the time um and she has to leave that meeting to go to the um bathroom to pour cold water on her wrists which again is a great tip thanks tv and uh, just writing them down for future yeah. reference yeah, yeah she missed that important part of the meeting you know where she gets undermined again and i really like the fact that we're going to get to hear the native language hans who is quite macho with the best yes. backdrops to his office and his boat yes. i wonder whether he might possibly be a little bit of a love interest in this um and then his son malik and they're, they're speaking the native language and then i think the theme tune has got i think it's traditional throat singing as part of it as well oh, which yeah. is really nice oh, right. i i hated the theme tune did I, you i missed <laughs> I, mi I missed the, the I like, one yeah, the, the classic Borgnum theme mm. and i wonder why there was all that breathing but that makes sense now but i think it's traditional singing yeah, yeah. it's also Still hard like for me, it, but... yeah. it's it's hard for me because that's what i use to warm up for the podcast that 
I do a bit of that throat singing. <laughs> so it was like, oh god, that, people are going to know that now. They've taken my thing. I, I just there was a lot here, and it was very uh, intense because it's about something so important. Three hundred billion dollars worth of oil versus looking after glaciers and Greenland yeah. being a sort of country that experiences the worst kind of, yeah. you know, effects of temperature changes and climate change and stuff. Matt did a sensible thing. He didn't do a sensible thing nine years ago, but he did a sensible thing recently. He stopped Borgen because he didn't like the man from Monica the Glen. And, oh, yeah, uh, that's why I stopped re- it. Just restarted it recently. So he's got a more familial background with where we left things off. So I'll just give my two pen, if, if you would all be so kind. Just sit there quietly and listen. It took me a while to get back into Borgenland. I do struggle when things are trying to preach at me about the importance of things. Borgen originally did so well as it touched on all these great and important political issues that didn't just affect Denmark but affected the world and you could see it through their lens and how they dealt with it. I'm a bit worried that this series being only one story is going to be very climate change heavy. However, I will say when we got into that newsroom with Katrine again and all her gang, uh, I, I think that's the magic in Borgen. I think the politics is great. The newsroom, at least for me, is where the magic happens. I love the frenetic energy of that. I love them discovering and breaking stories. I love Katrina's character, always have done. I'm definitely going to keep watching because it's a new series of Borgen and there wasn't ever a bad series of Borgen. But I, I do worry about the fact that we've got this one overarching story that at this point I'm not that bothered about. Maybe that's Just before Matt says silly. his piece, I'm just going to disagree with you. Um, I was going to do that, so You can end the call now if you wish. <laughs> I don't think it is going to be too preachy because okay. around That's that fine. table, That's fine. around that table, they said the Treasury wants mm. 300 billion. We've got mm. a welfare state to look at. Maybe Luke's electric went before that scene. Ironically, I, I, I went before people <laughs> said we need to look after the poor. I, my power went off just before the people said we need to look after the poor people. <laughs> so I think there will be opposing yeah. views. No, definitely opposing views on Greenland Good. as well. They're pushing for it because they want to be able to prove that they can be independent. I thought that was really interesting. I mean, I knew about it a bit because I'm a bit of a Scandi fan. But to know that Denmark has its own Commonwealth and has its own problems with like yeah. a 300-year legacy of, you know, colonising and like history and stuff, you know. And everyone yeah. in, in Britain's like, uh-huh, yep, we're very familiar we with that. We know. We know. <laughs> it's going to be about, I guess, as well, maybe Katrine and Brigitte getting closer and their relationship not being technically allowed because she's a member of the government and she's the head of a news station. And where did, there's, there's, as Robin Thicke would say, there's blurred lines there. I just hope there's enough side stuff mm. that I can be yeah. invested in as well. And the first episode, at least until my life till my computer went pop, didn't give me the sense that there was enough side stuff going on. So are you saying that you're pro-fossil fuels because you want electricity, you don't want any more power cuts? (laughs) I wouldn't have said that until this morning. You know, if I hadn't been recording a podcast, I wouldn't have minded. So Matt, you did the sensible thing. You went back, you took your time with the remaining episodes of Series 3. Did that in itself help? I would firstly say it's a bit weird watching the series from 10 years ago and watching it now and seeing how different everyone looks. And I don't how... think Bridget looked too different. No, she time. doesn't look too bad. If anything, she's got she's a little bit thinner than she was. So I was a bit worried and about her. I should say as well, she's got the poshest British... I mean, most British people don't speak that lovely. When Bridget 
speaks English. Her voice is just as exquisite, if I may say so. There's no sort I of think... Danish accent in there at all. There's... No. I think she was a proper actor before Borgen, mm. but this is yeah. just like like oh, nine years yeah. ago. She's just, yeah, she's just gone stratospheric, so she's getting a lot of work all around the world. Isn't she in Westworld now? Or was That's in right, yeah. While you say that it is one issue, I think sort of Sarah touched on this, that you're looking at it from all of these different angles. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers USBP. That's cbp.gov careers USBP. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So you're looking at it from a political standpoint, from a sort of environmental standpoint, but also a financial standpoint. Also what's happening in, in Greenland and those characters there. And, and also looking at Brigitte as a character now, you know, in her 50s, People are saying she's out of touch, that she's almost like a an antique, did they say at one point, or something like that? Like a, they call her a has-been, and they a, say... Or is... a fossil, or a relic, yeah. or something like that. So yeah, she's she's no longer relevant, and as you were saying as well, Sarah, with this sort of clash with the new female Prime Minister, and it feels like she's been hired as like a, a good bit of PR, like here is the former prime minister, another woman we can go on the magazine covers together. But really behind the scenes, we are sort of polar opposites and the prime minister is not going to give Bridget perhaps the respect she deserves. Also in her personal life, it's very empty. Obviously her ex-husband is becoming a father again. Her children are all out of the house. But no, I really enjoyed it. And I think possibly because I've watched the series most recently, what it does is it takes this issue and then looks at it from all these different angles and it's often issues that are not morally ambiguous but things like so for example they had an episode about sex workers in series three which everyone had an opinion on but what is the right opinion and sort of from a political aspect i don't feel like they were coming at it with a stout you know you have to feel this way about this issue i never felt that i felt that it's something believable that all these different sides would, and it's interesting, as you said, that it's Greenland and that relationship with Denmark, and you've got the minister for the Arctic who they they change because I of, didn't know that know. was a. Th- I honestly didn't know that was a thing. The and I suppose the other thing, and again, Luke, this was sort of something in the last few minutes you may have missed, was the Canadian drilling company that finds the oil. There's Russian investment in it. Ooh, Did you get that far? No, they're no. bad. <laughs> That's another aspect to it. And one of the Russian guys who's involved in it is very high up in in Putin's sort of inner circle, was appointed by Putin. It's actually good that they, obviously, they touch on the the war with the Ukraine. They touch on 
There's also Isn't that incredible? Coronavirus. I'm impressed, given when this was put in the can. This makes no sense. How could they possibly know something that happened 100 days ago? Well, mm. it's actually referencing 2014 yeah. um, incursion yeah. in Crimea. So, uh, and it and just cor- seems like magic that they know, you know, what's happening. I thought that yeah. was that's just... So and that's the coronavirus a, yeah. gets a mention as well. Yeah. It feels so that's topical. yet another aspect to it is this Russian involvement in and what, what impact that has on like the government and it may be one story but there's so much packed into it and so it's so deep and so varied all these different viewpoints and it's something like going back to the what the wire would do that it would be one story but you would see it from all these different Mm. standpoints and i think that's what borgen's doing here and i i would disagree that it's preachy and i really found it very involving and it's really good to have this back to have a lot of the same characters back as you said the the TV side as well with, with yeah. Torben. I love all that. Yeah. She does seem to have found herself in quite a spot. I liked the last 10 minutes because she really kicked it up a gear. She's mm. bawling out this incompetent ambassador. Um, and then she goes toe-to-toe with the prime minister as well in, in you know, sort of not the car park, but sort of, you know, where her, their cars stop and the, the it, a, a very, Yeah where it was dark and it was raining and they their cars stopped opposite Classic each other. Morgan. Classic well, Morgan. The guy in the beginning scene in, in Greenland looked like he's wearing one of Sarah Lund's jumpers. I really appreciated that as well. So this knitted black and white jumper that he had on. I thought, is this new series of The Killing or the new series of Morgan? Because that looked very Sarah Lund. All we need now is an iconic bridge and we are ah, three for three, guys. We've got three for three. I would also say that we only watched the first episode for the purposes of this podcast and when it was working for me, which is when everybody was together and in the newsroom and when Brigitte really, you know, went behind her PM's back and gave Torben that information, it is unlike anything else. It is magic. So I'm hoping that it was just my strange reaction to the first half and then the power went off and da-da-da. Borgen, uh, power and glory, quite why they had to... Oddly, rub it in. Oh, it just makes it sound more epic for the Netflix viewers, doesn't it? But it's interesting. Netflix have this. Do you know what they have coming next at some point? The third series of Trapped. So it's as if Netflix knew. It's as if Netflix knew that BBC Four wasn't going to be around very long because they have snapped up all of their acquisitions that have made BBC Four what they are. And we should say, if you've never seen Borgen before. It is all there on Netflix. Do all three series of that. It is pretty much... It's all on iPlayer as well. It is. We should probably plug that as well. Yeah, weirdly, it's on iPlayer too. That's how I watched it. Uh, That is Borgen, all there on Netflix. Now, if you want to, I will be going back. Matt will be going back. And Sarah is probably watching it or has been while Matt and I have been talking because it's uh, it's a really good show. Borgen, Power and Glory on Netflix. Uh, the next one is on BBC Three and BBC iPlayer and BBC One, so plenty of times to catch it. But should you, I am talking, of course, about Dolly Alderton's semi-autobiographical comedy drama, Everything I Know About Love. Uh, this is Dolly Alderton's adaptations of her own best-selling memoirs, as I'm told. Starts in. <laughs> it already sounds annoyed. <laughs> Well, I'm going to say it starts in 2012 and I want people to stop being nostalgic yes, for 2012 please. between this and uh, Big, Big Boys. Boys. 2012 I'm, was only five minutes ago, guys. I know. Calm yeah. your pants. But reading the press pack, apparently they're going to be doing an episode around the Olympics and an episode about the, the last Jubilee. 
before this one. It does one. feel like we're nostalgic for any time that isn't now, I think, is mm. what's going on but on TV. what I feel like is, yeah, you can be nostalgic for the 90s all you want, but anything sort of post-2008, no, stop it. Um, <laughs> but So the Dolly Alderton character in this is Maggie. She is 24. She currently works in promotions, market research. We meet her um, on the train while she's going back to London. She meets with a musician uh, with a name that I know Luke was annoyed by, probably. Uh, <laughs> called what is he called? Street. Oh, I thought he was called Pavement. You're all right. <laughs> with whom she bonds, but she's a big believer in fate, so she uh, doesn't want to exchange uh. phone numbers with him. This is sort of coinciding with her and her friends moving into a flat in London together. Maggie bumps into Street again, but he doesn't really remember her. They have more of an awkward exchange this time. She goes to his flat and meets his straight-laced roommate, Nathan. She then says, you know, I'll set you up with my friend Birdie. They've known each other since school. Birdie and Nathan go on a date and it goes really well. And he ends up back at the flat. And you feel like by the end that Maggie may have inadvertently lost her best friend. And that's episode one in a nutshell. I'm um, really that was beautifully oh, done, Matt. Thank Luke you. And so I go good. into so much I know, detail. That was so Luke good. You can I write essays about first episodes and you managed to do it in a few sentences. Bravo. And know what else he does, Sarah. We do that and then he still says, and one thing you forgot to mention is, of course, that... Uh, and he's always right because we have. But I, did, I mean, I haven't put a lot of effort in there, but let's be honest, did I need to? Luke. No, let's go to Sarah first because I think we know where I'm going. <laughs> well, guys, given that one of the last shows that I watched for the podcast mm. was Conversations Sorry with Friends. <laughs> yes. This was lovely. Much uh, better than that. You preferred this to that? Oh my God, Did absolutely. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't taking itself too seriously. I mean, this mm. is wanky London shite, but not like like wanky in capital letters. Does that make sense? That was wanky Dublin shite, to be fair. Uh, oh, well, maybe maybe it's the accent. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I can cope with London. <laughs> maybe you're a bit of a xenophobe and we didn't, we've just uncovered it. <laughs> um, the very fact that Street and Maggie call him a, self a troubadour, we know that we're not meant to take these people seriously. I like Birdie. I like Maggie. I like them together. It, they are weirdly codependent and they are too involved with each other. But is this the great love of the title? I, it might be. I think that's quite sweet. I found the scenes with Street quite annoying. Maggie's quite annoying <laughs> because she's trying to live out that almost famous fantasy with her 60s makeup and a big bird jacket listening to vinyl. Mm. Um, I thought what Street said in the bar was quite good, though. He was like, you're moving to Camden in 2012. Anything you want from here has already happened. I thought that was quite good. I don't suppose we can be too mean about Maggie uh, because this is a memoir. So Dolly Alderton will you, be very... You haven't um, heard Luke Hold your hold your horses. Hang on, hang on. I'm just going to put this in here first. Um, she's young. She's stupid. And, and Dolly is going to be very aware of Maggie's bad qualities now, reflecting upon her own youth, isn't she? Two things. One, a club in the back room of a kebab shop is genius. Two, no one, not even her date Nathan, asked why Birdie is called Birdie yet. Is that her given name? It was, it was annoying me. I want to know. I so struggle <laughs> with things that feel written. 
that is one of my bugbears. The fact that somebody has written their own memoir and yet none of it feels authentic. Every bit of it feels like a written piece of dialogue that somebody would say only in a TV show environment and not in real life. What she finds attractive or interesting or promising about this guy who doesn't have a real name is beyond me. I just I just think he's he's a television cliche wrapped in a bunch of other TV cliches. The, he's, the, look, the, I'm sorry, but she's 24 and he's wearing an interesting hat. At 24, sometimes that's all you need. Yeah, but she's 24, she's not 18 or... I, you know, maybe it's a reflection of 10 years ago, but I don't think so. They come across as extremely childish... It's it's towing a difficult line, which a lot of these shows do, where at some point it's trying to be really poignant and personable, and the next minute they're dressed in ridiculous costumes, flogging leaflets and talking about whether she should text him her date back and stuff. It was a long 45 minutes, and I just it just felt I so written. I was hoping written. it was going to be half an hour. <laughs> it just feels so written and so overthought. And considering it comes from somebody's personal experiences, I didn't feel that at all. I just felt like anyone could have written this story about this group of people. The one glimmer of hope I had, and we got little bits of it, and I won't revisit the show, but the one thing I liked (laughs) was the tiny inserts of them as young girls meeting at school. That felt like, I remember this time, I want to build this relationship up, we only got tiny snippets of them as young girls in school meeting for the first time and dreaming together. But I just found this completely unbearable from fairly early on because it does this thing that I also dislike, which is narration. You know, if you're if you're why are you narrating your own story? It's your own story. It's not like she's looking back on it or anything. This is set in the time it's set in. It's not like she's looking back from 2022. I don't know. I mean, no redeeming features. I think it's very telling that the BBC have stuck this on at 10.35. Why isn't this... I appreciate this isn't for me. Why isn't this an exclusively BBC3 show that they can say, Mm. this is for the young people, this is for people who were 24, 10 years ago, or coming up to it, there's still things you can relate to it. It's a BBC3 drama, we're proud of it. Watch it, BBC3. Why does it have to be on BBC One? Why does it have to be on iPlayer all there? Why can't BBC Three have a... You know, they've made the effort of bringing this back on TV and they've still not got the confidence to go, this is an exclusive BBC Three show here for you, here for the audience we think BBC Three is for. They've made it... You're absolutely bang on with that. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you on that. It strikes you as timid, doesn't it? All I would say is possibly there's something in the contract. BBC yeah. One first airing or something like that. That's what it strikes to me well, as. It's always I play first airing, whatever it is, isn't it? But yeah. Mm, but like, playing. we will put this on BBC One first, and that's why we stuck it on like ten forty, and then nine o'clock the next night. On it just makes it doesn't make any sense. No. But no. I, I mean, I don't think I've got much to add really here. That yeah, everyone was really <laughs> annoying. I think the thing with Street is he's meant to be a, 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 a twat and, you know, the second time she sees him, he's completely different from the first time she meets him. Yeah, like a... I think that says a lot about her insecurity because mm. he's fabulous on the train and it's a whirlwind romance and it's everything a girl wants. And when she meets him a second time, she should be able to go. That was disappointing. I'm not interested in him. But because of this self-hatred, she can't bear to be alone. Mm. She, she just uses him as a crutch, I suppose. 
hopefully well, she gets over that quite quickly because that's a very annoying quality. I don't know if it would have worked, but, you know, I would have liked to spend more time with Birdie. I, you know, she was the most sympathetic character. We hardly got to know the other two girls in the They were in just, the like, background, weren't they, in this episode? Although they... you did get a subplot with one of their not really liking their boyfriends very much. Like, the guy who came in to, to give them a... Was it a telly he gave them or a sofa? I wonder whether that's why you liked it, Sarah. You like to see people receiving a yes. sofa. I like to see people receiving furniture in their new house. That's a weird kink. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you know, I took against it straight away because the yeah. opening meet-cute supposed that people come round on trains with trolleys of booze. She would have had to have gone to the shop. Unless she was in first class. That is a very good point. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was concentrating very hard. But yeah, as I said, stop being nostalgic for 2012. Um, when they were um, in those costumes, as you said, dressed as seafood, you knew they were going to fall over. But yeah, no, I don't know if this is for us. Any, You know, if the, we are the, the key well, we audience. We were around in 2012 and we've yeah, been we, 24. You know, we were about five years older. Because I was that involved in the plot, I was trying to work that out in my head how much older I am. <laughs> yeah, not for us, but I'm sure it will find... I am I don't know if it'll find an audience because of the week. I think it will. Nobody's talking about no. it. I think this is going to be uh, if you liked Conversations with Friends, even though I, I got more out of Conversations with Friends because the lead... I, I thought the character of France is more sympathetic than anyone in this show. There wasn't anyone really... I really like Belle Powley as well. He plays Birdie. She's been great in other things, but here, not for me. And and the lead performance from Emma Appleton did nothing for me yeah. at all. So, Can I make a request if people do watch this? Can they tweet me at Sarah Hamstera? I just want to know why she's called Birdie. That's all I want. Okay, so it's on uh, everything I know about love is on Tuesday. I think we've gone on where it, where you can yeah, find it. it. It's everywhere. It's <laughs> everywhere. End, probably end, no one will watch it. Let's end with a bit of momentum. See what I did there? Girls 5 Ever is a show which is, in my view, the opposite of everything I know about love. It's a show that everyone should be watching, but is so hidden away that it probably won't. And this is why we're talking about it a second time on the podcast, just so you know that it is there. It's under a banner called Peacock on Now TV. And if you have Sky Box sets, it's under the the same banner, Peacock. It is NBC's streaming service in the US. This is one of their exclusive shows. And for some reason, we have Peacock as a banner within Sky, but not all the Peacock's content is on there. But Girls Live Ever Falls under that banner and so we're talking about it again to make you aware that it happens season two is seven episodes deep in the u.s there's eight in total matt has seen more than sarah and i am assuming where are the girls five ever at the moment album mode bitches girls five ever are now reunited they have been signed to uh, the property brothers record company property <laughs> records the Property Brothers, unfortunately, are rebuilding all of Greece, so we're not present at the time and are launching their new range of, not flavoured hammers. Scented the, hammers. Scented hammers. Scented hammers, so. hammers I hope you know. <laughs> they are asked to perform at a talent showcase for executives from the record company. They are confronted by their former manager, who says this is basically like a horse show and you have to stand out from the crowd. So when they feel like they're losing the audience, Gloria uh, performs a dead drop. Blaming death them. Drop. Death drop. Sorry. 
gaining the label's attention, but she busts her knee. She needs a knee replacement, but this just comes at the time where Tate, the label executive, tells them that they need to uh, produce an album in six weeks. Gloria starts then uh, popping back Percocet, uh, just as they go to do an interview with a uh, influential podcast. We've also got Dawn questioning why only the mums at her son's school get emails about schedules because it excludes dads like Scott who are involved with the other kids. Uh, Wiki gets accepted to the celebrity dating app Raya and um, Summer is wondering why she hasn't been punished after asking for a divorce from uh, Kev. Whoa, hang on there. Can you set up what Girls 5 ever is? Because people who haven't seen the first series... Go back to the podcast we did last year. <laughs> Don't tell them to do that. Just just a line on what it is. A line on Girls 5 ever is essentially... Yeah, so the premise is that this was a uh, girl band from the late 90s, early 2000s who uh, reform when their hit song is sampled by a rapper called Little Stinker. And it basically follows that process of them getting back together, trying to be a girl band now all in their 40s and sort of reuniting and what's happened since. How's that? Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. And you were going to ask me a question. Now, Sarah, you watched some of this and then didn't like the first. No, so weird. I've actually watched more than I thought. I think I'd seen six episodes Mm. and I cannot tell you why it didn't grip me immediately. I mean, it was good and some of the lines are just great and the songs are cool as well. But there was just something about it that I sort of went to that sort of like mid-season slump and never picked it back up again. And for that, I can only apologise and just come, you know, out and say that I was wrong. That's all I ever wanted. (laughs) Only about this. On everything else, I'm obviously right all the time. No, stand by everything else. You can't do it all the time. No, I watched two episodes and it was great and yeah, really like it. And the lines are so mm. funny. That's the kind of thing that you could go back and watch the episode again straight away because they come yeah. thick and fast. It's almost whiplash. Yeah. It is, exactly. You. You're um, laughing at one and you've probably missed the next three. Yeah, exactly. But that's sort of Tina Fey's style, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Dawn says that she's really happy not to have a clause in her contract on acceptable pubic hairstyles. Uh, and the boy bands that they're in competition with at the beginning, Collab, um, mm. were discovered on TikTok doing push-ups to the audio of Reagan being shot. <laughs> of course they were. That sounded, uh, that felt real to that me. That is completely legit. See, my favourite was Summer Did You Complain when you found out that snake was poisonous when we were doing that duet with Lou Baker. <laughs> well, nobody, nobody noticed when my gallbladder fell out during our Christmas performance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some of the gags. I mean, Sarah, you've seen the second episode where they do the most of the songs of our first album weren't even spell checked, and it was, I don't want no average Joe, you better be rolling in some Doug. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and then they do a Doug callback as well. Someone does a Doug callback, it's brilliant. I, I mean, in one of the episodes, because I've watched the six that were available. Um, at press time they've got their own version of succession that dawn and her husband watch called business throne <laughs> oh my God. Um, there's a great like an in gag and i won't spoil it here that sarah, a sarah Borellis line that just had me on the floor laughing and so uh, they funny. do they do um follow up as well at the end of the first season um gloria thought that their fifth bandmate ashley who was killed obviously as Luke will remember 
falling off the end of an infinity pool. Gloria felt that she'd faked her death, and they do, and I think it's the fifth episode, they do go back to that. And it feels just quite, like, authentic to, even though it is an odd premise in a way. It's all hyper-real, isn't it? But all of it is taken from, you know, the thing that I said about TikTok is genuinely a thing that's probably on TikTok. They are comic performances from these four actresses, but actually there is depth there and there is a really sort of great performance from Busy Phillips in a later episode where her parents come into it and find out that she's divorced from Kev and want her to put her purity ring back on that she had when she first... Until she found... We always thought Kev would be the one, but you need to now be pure until you find the two. The songs so are just, so good um, as well. The songs yeah, the are brilliant. Song. That momentum record that they sing is just we've got, we've got. <laughs> it's just so good, so funny. But they, yeah, so Luke, good. I'm assuming you loved it as well. Yeah, nothing glad more to, have to add. During my my back pain era uh, this week, I watched. The... It was a whole era. It was that it, painful. It felt, it like, felt, it. like, it felt, it felt like it felt like it went on slightly longer than the first episode of Everything I Know About Love. But um, I watched We Own This City, which you know my feelings on. I then watched Barry, which was incredible this week. And then I watched this and I have never stopped smiling. It was just hilarious and warm and funny and I just adore it. I'm envious of Matt who has found time to watch all of them so far. It is just a joy. And, you know, if us speaking about it means more people discover it, then... We've done our job, and uh, I was going to say I can retire, but I'm ve- barely here as it is, so that doesn't seem fair. But <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't it, notice. It just seems to be firing on all cylinders. There are so many great jokes. The sequence where she's on the podcast after needing this knee op has to climb all those stairs and then takes all these drugs and, and is talking like John Lennon about the band being bigger than Jesus and swallowing they, they, a dice. They don't say John Lennon, though. They say Liam Gallagher, which is even yeah. funnier. <laughs> Why has she been cocky, Liam Gallagher? Everything just feels so authentic. And the mum who, who doesn't send the text to the dads because deep down she feels like she... She's my asset for them all. <laughs> But did yeah, she fuck that's the dad? What I mean. Yes, it's she did. So, oh god, so... and the and the pure joy of those gay parents when they say, <laughs> oh, <thanks laughs> "Will god. little Janie finally be invited to something?" something. It it's just such a like tiny little so throwaway packed. moment, and it's so funny. It's so packed. Those sequences, Motherland on the BBC has been doing that for three series, and it didn't feel as on point as that ten-minute sequence that we got in Girls Five. Isn't it? it is just. Brilliant. I think all of the cast are amazing. Sarah Bareilles, who I knew as a singer in 2009 and, and a, a Broadway star. I didn't know she had this in her. She is properly funny. I can't praise it enough. I'm so glad it's back. Renee Ellis Goldberry, as well as oh, Wiki, is fantastic. She's, she's just, just like... She's I, just believe she's a t- I just believe she's that character. She is that diva. That theme tune <laughs> is, is permanently in my head anyway. And having it back, I was like, yes, I need this. Gonna be famous. Need it. Need it. Will you not let this one drop this time, Sarah? Don't say it for best. I won't. I don't know what happened to me. Maybe I had sort of like a similar um, ongoing back back pain, brain fog issue. (laughs) One last shout out for another favourite line. Um, How they spin Gloria's drugs thing and her medical procedure as a sexual addiction to get into the Daily Mail. 
Yes, that'll at least get us in the Daily Mail. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like every, every line of dialogue is a line. You know, it, it doesn't feel... You know how I say everything about love feels written? That doesn't even feel written. It feels like these lines just drop out of their mouths and they're just... You know, it just feels right all it, the time. It's very much like 30 Rock had that, yeah. didn't it? You mentioned Tina Fey and Robert Carlock's obviously involved in this as well. And it just reminds me of the the pace of it. It has a very similar pace of the dialogue and the sort of the gag ratio. I think these characters feel more authentic and feel like they've all gone sort of slightly different ways since being in this in this manufactured girl group and the the sort of coming back together, it all just it feels very real. As you say, hyper real is a good way to mm. put it. So. But but the hyper real sort of sits with their ordinary everyday stuff mm. as well, which which makes perfect sense. That's exactly what these people who've had such a crazy life when they were younger would be doing now. They'd just be doing normal stuff like normal people, only with that voice in the back of their mind saying that they should still be famous. They should still be I... touring. And we should also flag, we're not necessarily covering it on the podcast, but of a similar ilk, season two of Hacks, which is another show that we love, uh, is getting another sort of under-the-radar return. Prime video, season two of Hacks, on Friday the 10th of June as well. Uh, For all upcoming dates and things, you can search the custardtv.com. I do have an upcoming TV um, section there that lists everything we know to be in production, to be returning, to be announced. And then when available, we have uh, it um, with the dates on. And just in case you only want your Netflix and your Apples and you don't care about your BBCs and your Channel 4s, I have a streaming section page and a TV section page. You can look up what's coming on all the different outlets that we have to watch now as TV just expands and expands and expands. Thank you, Sarah, for spending your jubilee with me and Matt. It's been lovely. Thank you. Just a quick reminder, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at Sarah Hamstera and I'm doing regular TV updates for whynow.co.uk. That is it. What is coming up next week on this here show that I'm not a part of next week? I was I was waiting for my thank you. Sarah got about uh, three thank thanks, yous. So Matt, I was like... for, no, thank you both, actually, because I messed you about on I messed you about this week and it was going to be one day, then it was today. So thank you. for. That's your gimmick, though, Luke. I know, it's my, it's yeah, my part of he's, my chart. he's very hard to pin down. His availability yeah. is very bad. You have I've to spend go through his last, people. I have to spend the last couple of days not moving. I don't understand why I'm not <laughs> easy to pin down. That's because you're in an electric wheelchair most yeah. of the time, so we can't That's catch up with you. No, we can't. <laughs> look, look at Matt and I, neither of us are runners. Next week, we have got a new BBC drama, Sherwood, a single drama, My Name is Leon, and new Ramesh Ranganathan sitcom, avoidance thank you for listening you know where we are if you need us we'll be back soon bye 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 rate and review us wherever you find us search the custard tv on youtube itunes and facebook Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.